Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Padamaro. It's episode 138. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. Uh, This week, I'm very excited to introduce a special guest, and that is someone I imagine many of you have seen on on the draft ladders. And that is uh, Lucid Iguana. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited because uh, you are my early morning uh, sparring partner in the draft queues when I play my couple of games after I wake up just about every day. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have you on today. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I don't sleep. And so I tend to jam a bunch of games in the morning while I'm working out. Oh, that's cool. Wow. That's, uh, what, that's very motivational. That uh, seems very, very tiring to do. Um, honestly, I just hate exercise, and so it's the only way I can get through it is to do something fun. Yeah. What, what do you do, like ride a bike? or? Yeah, I start with a bike workout, and then I move on to a, a bunch of resistance stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. So I guess the, to begin with, uh, I thought we'd give everyone a chance to get to know you. So uh, when did you start playing Eternal? Yeah, I was trying to figure it out. I was in one of the early waves of invites to the beta. So whenever that was, um, and so I, I played in the beta for a while. I got a little tired of it and I, I quit. I probably, and then uh, I picked it back up basically when it went public because they sent out the email like, hey, we gave you a bunch of cards for playing in the beta. And I, I you know, I went into my public account and I was like, oh, I have a ton of cards. And so I basically, I've been playing since then. Oh, wow. And so have you always uh, focused on draft or did you used to play more constructed and then slowly move? Um, Draft is the thing that gets me to play Eternal. Um, Before I got in the habit of buying gems all the time, I played as much constructed as it took to get 5,000 gold. Right. Um, So there was there was a period of time where I was getting to master in all the formats every month, but I've pretty much given up on constructed except when uh, if I run out of gems from my gem allowance for the month, I will play constructed. Uh, But other than that, I just play draft. Yeah. And it's nice. I know it's still easy to deplete your gem count, but I think, you know, for people like us, I think that the change to the draft rewards has helped a lot in that regard. Oh, the change to the draft reward is amazing and definitely has me just jamming a bunch more games because like, oh, I only need to get five wins now. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I suspect it was an incredible business move for them to, to change the rewards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope it's worked out behind the scenes. You know, it's always tough because it's like, Sometimes it's like those things where it's like great for the players is not necessarily great for the bottom line, but I feel like it's yeah. helped get people to play. And and it was like even when when Unleashed had gone on for absolutely ever, I mean, obviously the draft queues definitely slowed down, but it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, that the the. Uh, it, the eternal unleashed, if you forgive the pun, season was kind of rough. Um, I definitely found myself slowing down a little bit because I felt like I was just like, all right, I've been playing unleashed forever. Every nonsense BS thing that's happened to me can happen to me. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, 
I'm ready for something new. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I I always have this weird relationship with sets and stuff because I find myself that I do a lot better at the tail end of sets. And I don't, I still haven't figured out whether that's because I've like mastered it by then and really know what I'm doing or mm-hmm. all the good players have stopped playing. <laughs> so I can, I can. Uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting because I actually tend to do much worse as the set goes out. When a set first drops, and this has been true for me for also for Magic. When I used to, well, I play some Magic still, but I used to play a lot of Magic. Um, and right when sets came out, I found like I don't know whatever it is about my brain. I would I would get a set pretty fast, and I would crush for a little while. And other people would figure out what's up, and then I'd be like, all right, well, I'm back to being a pretty mediocre player again. Yeah, no, I'm the direct opposite. Like th- this. Um... Um, Thera has been a little different where for the first few weeks I was doing really well. And then I've spent, um, the last two or three weeks not doing great, <laughs> like a vastly, a vast change in, um, in how well I was doing where for a while I was just getting like six and seven wins on almost all of my drafts. And then all of a sudden I like, I had like a five or six thing or set of drafts where I couldn't get above two wins and then now it's kind of evened out a little bit but like with Unleashed I like I really didn't like Unleashed all that much and then like the last two months where everyone else was totally sick of it I was just like you know averaging five plus wins on all my runs and I was like man maybe this set's a lot better than I thought it was this is great and um and I feel like that happens for me in every set where it's just like the last two months, all of a sudden I like, it just like, I, again, I said, I don't know if it really, if it clicks with me or like I said, if like the best players stop playing, but that's also not totally mm-hmm. true because by month six or <laughs> six or seven, it feels like it's just the people that have played forever that are still playing. So. Um, yeah. I've been, I've been wondering if, about that specific thing. Is it, is it just that we're all at the top of the ladder and we're getting paired against each other? Or is it just, is it really that we're just the diehards who just can't, just can't quit? Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like, right. Like, you know, given that I play in this early morning time slot, there aren't that many people, you know, like I'm, I'm rotating through. It's like, Oh, I, well, there's, there's Potomaro and here's Gunner and Oh God, here comes isomorphic. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see isomorphic back. I'll say um, as, as bad as that is for my win rate, um, it was a name that we hadn't seen in the ladder for a while. Yes, it is. Yeah, though I actually don't play against them very often. I, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I always I feel like I don't know. I always just assume that there's someone who like quickly gets to rank one and then just kind of sits there, and then um, yeah, they, yeah. It's just like our, the, the king of the king of the ladder is back. Yeah. Compared to Gunner, even when they're rank one, it's just like I feel like I'm constantly playing against Gunner. Yeah, I play against Gunner a lot too. Um, and then uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the um, Chinese or Japanese characters are just like I vaguely recognize this, um, but i i would I would love I would love a way to keep track of of those folks who keep kicking my ass too. Yeah, so I I kind of um, wanted to ask you, you know, as someone who 
plays so much draft. This is a, a thing I've talked about sort of on the podcast and just like about getting better. And, um, you know, maybe this is presumptuous of me, but like I've always considered Lucid Iguana and I were like, I put us in the same category of like player or play skill where we're like sometimes doing really well, sometimes doing really poorly. I feel like our games are like 50-50. And I guess I, I just wonder like, how do you feel like as someone who is slowly improved at the, I don't know. I don't even know what my, I've lost the, the track of my question, but like, just, I guess, how do you view improvement in eternal as, as, as just like a regular Joe who drafts a lot? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of vaguely remember getting better at this game. Um, because I definitely, so I spent a long time stuck in diamond. There was just a long period of time where I was not getting out of diamond drafting every month. Um, this is back before I could was just brute forcing it by buying a bunch of gems. And so I was, you know, doing doing the actual 5,000 gold grind thing. And I was just stuck in diamond. And I remember talking in the um, channels a lot and in like on the official discord. This is even, I think even before I was in any of the community discords and just being like, why am I stuck in diamond? Um, and I'd post my decks and people would be like, yeah, it seems like a fine deck. And sort of having to face the fact that like, oh, I'm stuck at diamonds. I'm just not good enough yet. And, and at least for me, a lot of it is I just had to have to learn basically all the lessons the hard way, even in this format, you know, like I've got a series of mistakes that I just have to keep like learning to not make the, I think my number one is remembering to put cards in my market, um, just the number of times I've got a delivery in my deck and realize I can't get anything with it has been really humiliating. Yeah. Um, like, it's just, like, that one's pretty bad. It's remembering not to discard a card when my opponent has uh, whatever that creature is that pumps when a, when somebody's discarded card, the shadow creature. Right. Or unit, rather. Um, and it's just, like, every set has been like that for me. And it's just like learning all of the things that I can do wrong and having to just keep a mental, mental inventory of that has basically been how I've improved. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some persistence, um, a lot of ergonomics of just like understanding how to play a little more quickly. Sometimes, um, I definitely notice I don't, I don't, I don't hit my timeout very often anymore when before I would just be sitting there like chewing on, on what play to make. Um, and then just a little bit for me, especially when I was trying to get the Bastion constructed, less so draft, of just just realizing that, like it can just be about volume. Um, and so just jamming jamming more games, being willing to make mistakes and just, you know, getting back getting back on the bicycle when you fall off. Yeah. I think was pretty important. Um, you know, I'm getting a little better about not just tilting off and just being, I'm never playing this game again. Um, and just, uh, accepting like, all right, well, I'm just not good enough yet. So I'm just going to keep jamming and try to get there. Mm -hmm. And so like, as someone who has now put in a lot of time, put in a lot of gems, like, do you, f like, do you feel like you're, you're a better player than you were say two years ago? Is that like, yeah, I, I definitely am. 
um, I can tell because I feel like it's a lot less luck based. Um, you know, the first couple of times I hit master in a draft, it was definitely um, like, oh, OK, well, that was two absolutely nuts decks in a row. And it's, you know, it's the third day of the month and I just happened to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I'm getting to master, like it feels pretty inevitable that I'm going to get there. and It's not going to take too long. Um, I, I think uh, I am. Definitely, one thing that I've noticed is shifting from the magic mindset to to the eternal mindset. It's like I don't know if I can quite explain it, but my card evaluations definitely have changed to fit eternal. Um, for a long time, like my brain couldn't wrap it, my head around like permanent modifications to cards, or you know the difference between first strike and quick draw. Um, but now, when I play magic, actually, I, I kind of make a lot of mistakes going the other direction because I forget how mechanics work in actual magic. Um, and I, I think the other thing I notice is like now I'm playing, I notice a lot of mistakes my opponent's making where before I would just be like playing cards and hoping for the best, if that makes sense. Yes. No, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I do mostly. You know, I think the other thing is I've noticed I have opinions now mm-hmm. about cards. Um, where before it's just like, all right, this card is obviously going to be good because I hear a four mana, you know, or four cost four four is good. Um, now, you know, when I'm drafting, I think we'll talk about this for sure. It's like I've got really strong opinions about card evaluation and draft now. Um, and that doesn't happen to me too often uh, until maybe the last year or so, um, which is say like staring at maybe it's just maybe it's having stared at unleashed cards for so long that I lost my mind, but I started it like really have like my own opinions about how these things went. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I feel very similar, except maybe I feel like I don't know what I'm doing differently than I did two years ago, except like the number next to my name, or it's really no longer next to my, (laughs) next to our names, but like that number has consistently been higher than it used to be. And Mm -hmm. it's funny you mentioned the opinion thing, because I think that is another thing that has changed uh, with me in the last um, few years is that um, I feel much more opinionated about cards, I I kind of had wondered whether that was just because I do a podcast <laughs> about draft, and so like oh, yeah. eventually, just having talked about cards, I feel confident enough to talk about cards after four years. But it's interesting that you brought that up as you you know a change in your your sort of abilities is just like the the, the ability to sort of form strong opinions about cards. It's a a pretty interesting. Uh, I think the the first time I formed a really strong opinion about cards was uh, it's I had to look it up set four, whatever set four was. Um, uh, the fall of Argentport um, was I started drafting, and this is actually pretty funny too. I started drafting Mono Fire in the fall of Argentport, and it was the first time I went like legitimately uh, infinite for for quite a while. I was just completely deranged. I was picking Drifter over almost anything. Um, Cloud of Ash, I literally picked Cloud of Ash over every card in the set. Like, Legendaries, no. It's just Cloud of Ash every time. Um, And uh, that was where I was really, like, routinely crushing. And 
then every set after that have been much worse. But it was first time I was like, okay, I, I understand the thing that I don't think other people get about this format. Right. No, that's, that's really cool. It's also kind of funny because I had joked with you, especially during set 12, where I just like, every time I played against you or watched you in game, it felt like you were doing some BS time unleashed thing. And so oh, yeah. I was just like, so I was just like, oh, I'm playing against Lucid Agana time to like kill him quickly before he goes over the top of me again. But then it, it's funny because I know in this set, you've been playing a lot of fire and then to hear stories of how you used to play uh, um, a lot of aggro decks. It's, it's, it's been funny to have this like perception of you that has now I have to update my sort of mental <laughs> mental model of how our games are going to play out yeah i definitely in unleashed i just identified that the way that i was going to win the most games was to lean into the fact that unleashed was extremely swingy um like i did not find much benefit in trying to have a consistent deck in unleashed um that was that was not how i was winning draft cues because when i had a consistent deck it was like well Maybe this is going to be five wins, but I have to, I have to, you know, I have to expect that somebody's going to play double doors and that stupid tinker, and you know, play a two two a three three a four four and a five five with Ton Warcry, right? Like, yeah, um, I just I just lost enough times to various flavors of of BS Unleashed things that I was like, all right, fine, if you can't beat them, join them, and then. Uh, then it was just like, oh, uh, Grumbo's Grumbo's platoon. Sure, I'm sure that something stupid will happen with that. Um, and I also think, uh, and I don't know if your data really supports this, but I thought I thought time was really really good and unleashed. Um, that's um, actually we could thank uh, Cassandrith for that. Where I was just like, all right, I'm just taking Terrazon all the time, like just the stupid five cost six five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I. I think maybe the thing that I'm beginning to understand about myself is I just enjoy the BS decks. Like I just, I just find that the decks where I can win out of out of nowhere and just kind of lean into those. Yeah, I, we we don't need to. You know, we probably don't need to rehash unleash. It's a, probably a quick way to lose yeah. <laughs> listeners on this. But yeah, we could we could we can edit out that whole conversation. <laughs> no, no, I I didn't mean it that way. because I was about to be like, yeah. It's interesting because, like, I I felt like I had some, you know, like I did not draft those time decks that way very often. I did draft like the Terrazon decks a bunch, but like I barely ever did this. Like, bounce my, uh, you know, play Graviturgist and then play a whole bunch of Grumbos and stuff. And I I oh, yeah. I also I drafted a lot of aggro decks in Unleashed, and I was like fire a lot and. I was not, despite, I think, Skycrag being the best deck, I, I ended up not in that deck a ton, or not in the way that a lot of people drafted that deck a ton. Mm -hmm. So that's what I ended up feeling. Like, part of this, like I said, I did pretty well the last two months, is I still think Unleashed ended up being kind of cool because there still was at least a small diversity of opinion and what could do well even after eight months. 
Um, yeah, that is definitely that's true, and it's something I've appreciated. Um, you know, I don't watch honestly like a lot of streams. Yeah, um, but when I do, it, it's fun to watch people and be like, "Oh wow, you're you're doing a very different thing than I am." Um, it, it's it's fun to to see, and I think I think actually like the current health of the draft format is probably one of the healthiest that I've seen. Um, yes. despite the fact that, like I have reached in. I have reached a point of absolute derangement where just like I of my last 20 or so drafts, all but three have had fire in them. Um, but I play against a wide ver- variety of decks. So I, I think that's pretty great. Yeah, no, I agree. I think a, lo- a wide variety of decks are pretty viable. I've also, e- even from the start was pretty high on fire. I don't know if, I've drafted quite that many fire decks, but the the weird thing that I feel like is I feel like so many of my opponents, I play against Skycrag all the time. And um, like I looked back and um, it was like 25% of my last games were against Skycrag or something. Wow. Yeah. And I don't understand because it does, I probably, like, for me, I feel like Primal's not even that great, so it's not like I'm no. avoiding Primal or anything, but I just, like, wonder... I, I was like, am I crazy? Like, what is, what's going on? It could be totally variants, but, you know, I'm just like... It was like a feeling I got, and so then I, like, looked back at my last 20 games, and I was like... It was, like, not quite... It was, like, 22% or something, or whatever it wow. was. And I was like... So- Early on in the format, I was pretty high on Primal. I was doing really well with the Felm Nightfall decks. Yes. Um, like, I I at one point thought I was going to argue that uh, the, whatever the three cost, the Lethrai something or other. All right, hold on. Darkstalker. Uh, Darkstalker. I, I thought I was going to argue that Darkstalker was, was one of my top comments um, before I sort of fell into this pit of playing um, just fire all the time because i darkstalker just was just winning so many games for me um and i thought thundershot was amazing and then it just kind of fell off yes well yeah i i agree um i that film was interesting because i I was not drafting a ton of Felm, but then, like, it was kind of the talk of the town where everyone was like, Felm, best deck, Shadow underrated, and then it was mostly, like, it was the a rat deck, the 4-3, and then, and then a bunch oh, of... Oh, I, I hate that rat. <laughs> I, 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 like, it's one of those things where I see people, and the rat seems fine for them, but I've had a deck with seven rats, and the rat still frequently didn't attack. Yes, I agree. You know, I take a I've had decks like that where I've had a bunch of rats and a couple, a few other enablers, and then my rats never really attack. But I, I take a bit more of a sanguine view of that where where it's still nice to have the rat because your opponent has to respect it, and if they don't respect it. Then you can just keep get you can get free damage from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like obviously you paid for it, and it would have been better if it had been attacking the whole time. But like sometimes, like I've played a rat, and then 
not attacked with it until I played something like um, the the six four charger nightfall fire guy, the six cost one, and then all oh, of a, yeah. all of a sudden I'm attacking for ten, and then and then it's and my opponent just like had played like the rat would never attack, and then and then you get like all of this extra damage out of nowhere, it can win the game. So. But yeah. I, I agree. Like people were playing a lot of the rat, and then the the dark stalker to help trigger the rat, and then there's a couple other primal cards that really help trigger the rat, and you could just do a lot of damage really quickly with that deck. But I've been seeing that deck a lot less, and and I wonder if that deck was more a function of people not picking certain cards highly enough. And then now that the format has sort of shaken out a little bit more, you can't, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I think it is a lot harder to get like seven rats <laughs> than it once was. And, um, and then like Darkstalker, you know, like has kind of an interesting history where the set where it originally came out, was that maybe it was that set three? I forget um, uh, set four. Okay, yeah, like it was really strong in that set. I feel like, and then they mm -hmm. they brought back Nightfall, um, in one of these sets. Um, they like shoved Nightfall in in a, like a draft pack change <laughs> into. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it was and it was like really bad there because you just had only those two draft packs of Nightfall cards. And then, mm -hmm. and then, so it was like, oh, I wonder how good this card will be. And it, I think at the start of this format, especially, it was it, it was pretty powerful. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, Nightfall. Uh, I I love I love Nightfall. I think Nightfall is one of the best mechanics they've ever printed. It just is so interesting. It's um, it's great. I really i i i love it and. Like, when my decks don't have Nightfall in this format, I think part of it is, like, especially without um, without a power-smoothing mechanic, like Inscribe or Plunder, I just, like, yeah. if my deck doesn't have Nightfall, I just hope I'm playing against a Nightfall deck so I can just, like, right. keep hit, hitting my power drops and stuff. Because it's, like, when I'm, like, playing this, like, big Compre deck and then all of a sudden my opponent plays a time... Sigil, I'm like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> I just know I'm going to get flooded or screwed or something. And uh, Yeah. It's, I, 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 uh, I pick the Twilight Lantern, the, the two-drop the two Nightfall creature, super high, just because uh, that and whatever the Shadow One is called. I just, the, the amount of value I get out of the, the early card draw, early extra card draw, getting to play fewer lands, getting some damage in. Um, just It's just such a great mechanic. Yeah, uh, I 100% uh, agree. Um, yeah, so I think you know we, we're kind of touching on the um, these uh, what sort of archetypes are doing well with us. I did want to, we've been updating our spreadsheet, so if you check our, our Discord or some of the posts for these episodes you can there will be a link to the spreadsheet in there um and so i just kind of wanted to quickly go over and then see hear what your thoughts are um yeah please. so so of the of the five uh main colors you know it's pretty interesting um 
Time is still our number one, like most represented color, but it is going down. And the, the color that's sort of picking up that slack is fire. And so fire is now our second most common color. And then shadow and justice are about tied, which is a huge dip for shadow, which means in the last like 50 to 100 decks we've received, there haven't been a lot of shadow actually. And then primal continues its usual spot at the bottom after mm-hmm. after this that weird unleash set where primal was good. Um, but yeah, it's like and so time is in 60% of our decks, which is quite a lot because in a if all the colors were balanced, you'd ex- in a two color format you'd expect every color to be 40. So time is 60% of decks, fires 42. Uh, Shadow and Justice are about 35, and Primal's in 30% of decks. Um, so how, how do you feel about that with your color rankings? Or do you feel like there's a big difference? Do you have any color preferences this format? Yeah, so I think I sort of mentioned, but I've, I have become completely deranged, and I, I can't figure out if, like, you know, it's the Simpsons means, like, am I wrong about these cards? Or, like, no, it's the kids who are wrong, but I I feel like fire is open in every draft I do, and that's got to be because I just think the fire commons are better than anything else. Um, uh, if you asked me to rank the commons, I would just put I would have five fire commons at the top. Um, I like by by a country mile. I think that co- fire's commons are just by far the best, um, and I think that. This is like okay, look, this I'm just I'm just gonna go way off the deep end here and everybody can judge me, but I think many of Fire's commons are better than most of the rares and uncommons in the set. Um I am picking Ignite and Lantern Light and Twilight Lantern over like most rares, like and definitely a lot of uncommons. Like show me a show me a fourth tree elder, no way. Give me a lantern's light. Um, which I realize Lantern's Light's like particularly bad against Fourth Tree Elder. But so like I I, I have gone to, to truly deranged places but i feel like these decks are just it's just like super open i had i had a deck that had five ignites five lantern lights and seven young blood gliders in it um and so i'm just drafting fire all the time and it's basically a question for me of what my second color is if i have to have a second color which i would prefer not to yeah um, yeah that's really <laughs> interesting i mean i i could imagine you would view fire as open a lot if you're excited about a lantern's light because that is a card that despite really liking fire i have not put i don't i don't think i've put it in a deck i'm gonna you know in fact i feel like this is so rare i'm gonna just read it because i feel like a lot of listeners probably have just they glance right over i've got i've got it here so it's a two cost spell yeah one fire influence exhausted enemy unit Make one of your units hunt one. Okay. So this card, there are a bunch of reasons I think this card is really good. So first of all, when I'm playing these fire decks, I usually come out pretty fast out of the gates. Um, and so my opponents frequently are like trying desperately to trade off with my garbage one and two drops. Um, so I play a lot of drifters in this format. Um, and the other, the other cards I really love are the Yeti, the two-cost Yeti that gets plus two power every time you draw a card, and Twilight Lantern, which gets double damage when you draw your second card in a turn. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, it gets it has nightfall, and so it usually has double damage the first time it attacks. And if you already had a Yeti on board, then well, that Yeti's got five power now. And if your opponent has you know one blocker and you happen to lanterns light it away, now your Twilight Lantern is hunting, and so either you're going to draw another card, so that's plus two power to your Yeti, or your Twilight Lantern is going to get plus one power, so that's plus two damage off the double damage, and. It's just, it's so effective at just beating your opponent's face in. If you have a young blood glider in play, it's plus two in flying, and their one flying blocker is exhausted. Um, it just does basically everything that I want it to. And, I, you know, I'm looking at your, your top comments here on the, the shared doc here, like, oh, wow, it's really far down the list. Number 50. Um, and I, I think that this is probably, this is probably a personal problem that I should try to get over. Um but yeah, I just I love it. I love this card. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. It's, in this document, I highlighted Lantern's Lock like to talk about how shockingly high I felt like Lantern's Light is. Um, and I wonder if a lot of the the fact that it is so high is based solely on your on your deck submissions. I mean, it can't totally be just that, but yeah, it, that's interesting. So and. I mean, based on this deck that you described earlier, it sounds like you're more than happy to play multiples of these in your deck. Oh, yeah. Um, I have had seven win drafts, pardon me, that are basically all commons. You know, yeah. a few a few uncommons and maybe, you know, maybe a rare or two. Um, I think that my favorite my favorite rare for this deck is just the, uh, the three cost, three two, that makes all of your hunts hunt one additional time. That is busted when you've got a bunch of lanterns lights um but yeah i just i like i really like these decks where i'm playing a bunch of commons that all do a sort of essentially the same thing which is put your opponent on the back foot mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i think we can just go into it you know like the top four um or five commons this is the order of the the fire commons and number mm-hmm. one unsurprisingly, is Ignite. Number two is Twilight Lantern. Uh, number three is Young Blood Glider. Uh, number four is uh, Pillager Ant. Uh, number five is Mantis Claw. And then I think, a, yeah. for me, a surprise, though, you know, I think once you play with it a little bit, you realize its power is uh, Hurry Driver. Um, oh, yeah. Or Hurry Drive, which is the, the double damage quick draw. Uh, draw a card uh, three cost mm-hmm. spell. I, uh, I mean, it's pretty interesting. And like the ignite twilight lantern and young blood glider, they're averaging um, about one to a little over uh, one per deck, which means that these are pretty important commons for these fire decks, and people are playing quite a lot of quite a lot of these for it to be such a high count yeah yeah wow um so that that sounds okay so the top three sounds about right to me ignite um i have not reached a point where i'm picking things picking a lantern's light over at light ignite though if i have several ignites and no lantern's lights i will take one um but i mean it's, it's just it's just so versatile it's you know like basically welcome back torch um the fact that it doesn't hit players is kind of whatever. Um, just it's a fast spell. It's super efficient. It's you know it triggers your young 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 blood gliders. 
Um, it's incredible. Uh, Twilight Lantern smooths your draws, and the double damage is just so scary. Yes. Um, your your opponent has to be terrified of it. And I've, I have hit my opponent for so much damage on turn three, right? If you play a Twilight Lantern and then I... Is it granite acolyte? Whatever the whatever the fire acolyte is. Yes. It's like, oh, okay. Well, my opponent's just going to take eight now, and your opponent's sitting there like, wait, but 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 I started twenty five, not seventeen. Um, so like, Twilight Lantern's just terrifying. Um, you know, if you're playing other colors where or other factions rather, sorry, where you know if you give it evasion, um, it just it's just such a such a beater. Um, and then young young blood glider is a card your opponent has to be terrified of because you know three costs three two not the greatest we're used to three twos costing two but five five attack and flying um is a lot you know when you're yeah and as as just like a completely fine side bonus for playing spells um is it's just it is a lot and hurry drive you know you play young blighter young Blood Glider on turn three, you play a hurried drive on turn four, and your opponent just took ten. Um, I actually, I continue to feel like Young Blood Glider is a little pushed, and I was sort of surprised didn't didn't get a slight nerf in the last balance patch. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they've got more more data than I do. Yeah, I I mean I um, I think it is very powerful, and I it's kind of above rate. I mean I'm glad they didn't hurt it because I don't like. I don't know if fire needs to be toned down, at least as it currently stands. You know what I mean? Right. I think one one of the things I'm learning is you've got much you've got much better data than my sort of anic data from just playing my own strange decks, and it's it's interesting to see these other colors doing better. Because um, I felt like there was a period of time where I felt like all I was doing is playing against fire decks, but I just looked at my match history and like there are two Praxis decks in there, and it's mostly it's mostly Combray. Or some some flavor of combo right now. So I think I think that uh, there's been a lot of shift there towards playing more time decks. Yeah, but yeah, and so you said you agreed with those three, and so then where are you, where where are you putting four or five? I well, I think Lantern Light needs to be up there, and I would definitely take Hurried Drive over Mantis Claw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mantis Claw, Mantis Claw is a little clunky. It's basically a removal spell. I'm almost never putting it on a unit. Um, mostly because my units are all garbage. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm expecting them all to die. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to serve up a two for one because, you know, one, one more toughness de- or defense uh, is just not, um, it's not enough to keep anything alive. So, like a three cost removal spell is it's fine, but it's not it's not gonna win me the game out of nowhere like hurried drive does. Right. Yeah, I think the yeah yeah that's interesting. You know, like I still take Mantis Claw pretty highly. I think it is a little reliant um, on a second faction, like you know, like if you have a bunch of beekeepers or whatever. Then, oh then, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you have like a nice little flyer to put it on, and then it, it's really doing work. Um, recently, th- this is a card that I think is not great, but like the Caravan Crusher, which is the three-one quick draw that hunts one. Like, oh yeah. That 
<laughs> that card for some reason keeps doing work for me and work for my opponent. And it's like one of those cards where I'm like, it probably it's probably not this good, but then it's like then you have like a four two quick draw on the board, or you put a mantis claw on it, and then all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. like a seven three, or I mean, or if you're a little unlucky, like a six two. And it's just like so problematic to block. Um, and so like that's another card where you know you can I... accept a mantis claw. Though I agree a lot. Most of the time, or sorry, of the fire commons do not look great with the mantis claw on it. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm pretty high on Crusher. Um, I think that a three attack quick draw is actually just fine. Um, there's not a lot that blocks that profitably above, you know, below four mana or four cost. Um, and you know, sometimes it's got four four attack, even better. Um, but the the uh, advantage that you you get if you whiff on the hunt is still pretty strong because um, I you know you are pretty frequently playing pillager ant or camp menace um, and those uh, I I guess I'll say I'm frequently playing five and six cost cards while only playing fifteen or sixteen power and so I'm I'm relying on that hunt one to give me some advantage yes yeah I, and I I agree with that it's th that's what's kind of interesting where I feel like. Yeah, the two cards that are way down on this list are Camp Menace and um, Car Caravan Crusher. And those are two cards that I find myself playing a lot. And maybe that's because I'm like kind of forcing uh, fire a, a little bit. Um, but And I've been happy with them. Like I just feel like m multiple Camp Menaces are are just great. It's like, your, what is your mm -hmm. opponent supposed to do when you hit them with a 6-4 charge? They like block it, kill off their huge, you know, they, we trade off. And then the next turn you play a second Camp Menace and then you're just like killing your opponent. Yeah, so I think that the charge units are really important um, for a successful fire deck. So um, in, in the Unleashed packs, I'm looking for Party Crashers. Yes. And then like I definitely want to, want a Camp Menace or two because... I want I want my opponent to be sweating and then feel like they're stabilized and then me just have these obnoxious large units that are com coming and charging in. Yeah, exactly. And Party Crasher still great. You know, we didn't mention it in the top five, but that's mo mainly because Unleashed is obviously just one pack now, and so yeah, if you sort of account for that, Party Crasher is actually the most plentiful uh, common we have. Um, Oh, interesting. You know, because yeah. it, it's, you know, it right now there's point, f like, for, there's point four per deck. So there's like a 39 count. But if you think of it mm -hmm. as being one, you know, multiply that number by three to sort of show you how plentiful it should be compared to, say, like even Ignite. And so you, you multiply that by three and you're now over 100, which is the the count for ignite so it's actually like yeah. for where how many you would expect to see in the winning decks it's actually more common than ignite mm -hmm. is and so yeah I, it's it's just such a good card like you, you snipe a one power unit sometimes or their big blocker that they were relying on to make the game you know survivable yeah um and the games where you play several party crashers in a row, you know, I always just imagine my opponent putting their head in their hands. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, I think there was some talk or idea that Party Crasher would be worse because units are bigger and better. And so, like, you know, there are units that Party Crasher doesn't trade with, but, like, sort of like the charge and the exhaust are really all you need, all you need. Yeah, and even just, like, okay, so sometimes you just have to run it into a 4-3 Elder so your other units get through. Like, it's not great, but, you know, you rolls your dice, he you takes your chances. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the last two cards I wanted to call out is, um, well, I guess High, High Peak Rider, which is the 4 cost 2-3, and it's part of that cycle with the 8 cost activation. That is not very uh-huh. common in our spreadsheet. And that's a card where I kind of had higher hopes reading the card, but I kind of agree with its spot in the spreadsheet I, where it's underperformed I, for me. Yeah, I just can't get to eight power. Um, and so it's just it's just like a, a below rate four cost card for me. Yeah. Um, I think I've activated it once or twice and probably didn't even win those games because I was at eight power, which meant that some things were going wrong. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I've never... I'm not really, I'm fine if it doesn't make the deck. It's not unplayable where, like, I definitely had it where it's like, oh, great, it's blocking, you know, three Bs. <laughs> and, right. Or, or something. But again, like, if you're playing Fire, that's probably not the spot you want to be in anyway. Um, but, yeah. All right, should we? Yeah, should... Oh, sorry. You can... uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I would love to talk to this top three color pairs. I don't remember the last time I played a Xenon deck. Oh, really? Are you? Are you oh, yeah. Are you no. seeing success with the Xenon deck? Yeah, I, Xenon's probably, besides for my fire deck, Xenon's, prob- Xenon's my probably next best deck. Yeah, and so this is the, the top three color pairs. So these are the, mm-hmm. the colors that are doing the best for us, or best in the spreadsheet. And right now, there's like three that are like way above everything else, and then there's a pretty big drop-off to the next tier. And so the, the top three are Xenon at number one. And so that's um, about 17% of decks that we have in the spreadsheet are are Xenon wow. decks. And again, in, in a two-color format, you would expect that to be 10%. Um, uh-huh. And then next is uh, Praxis, which is at 16%. Um, and then Combray is at 14%. And then there's a big drop-off to everything else is below 10%. Um, and so there's like Elysian and Rakano are next. And then it goes to uh, Skycrag and uh, Stonescar. And then it keeps dropping from there. And kind of surprising, like you were talking about with these film decks that were very popular for for a while you know that those actually never really ended up showing up in 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 the spreadsheet and again like the spreadsheet is just a a small slice of the people that submit decks you know we have had you know 47 we have 195 decks in there right now and 47 unique contributors but you know if if those 47 people aren't playing don't like foul then it won't show up even if it is really strong um but yeah so but back onto the the Xenon thing, yeah, I think Xenon is strong, mainly just because the, those two colors have a lot of good 
mm-hmm. comments. Is it just time units plus removal? Well, yeah, I mean, it can be, but also just think about um, rats again and um, the the three cost one three deadly. Um, oh, yeah. The I forget what it is, but, you know, like, like so many, so many time units trigger that. And so, like, that's another way you can just sneak damage in with um, mm-hmm. with time. And so I think that's that's what it is, is like um, Shadow gives you these pretty good early game moves and then time gives you just big fatties. But even like some of the bigger Shadow units are actually pretty good in a Xenon deck because, you know, like the Reeking Rat, it's like you make a unit so that, that can't block and then you can just get in even, you know, you stop double blocks on your big time units um mm-hmm. time can help you stall the board a bunch and so then the uh the six cost four four with the eight cost activation to to drain for four you know like time can help you help give you time to just like for that to become a win condition so i think there's like a surprising uh, uh, amount of synergy and just having very strong individual commons uh mm-hmm is been my view. So like my Xenon decks are definitely just like good stuff decks, but I, th- I think the card quality is there for that to work. I'll need to check that out for sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess all the, cause it's like the three, again, the time has been the most common color. So for, for mm-hmm. us, so the three top um, <laughs> factions are time ones like Praxis. Also uh, my Praxis decks tend to be, more aggressive and then you know i i am hoping to still get terrazons and stuff as my top end right. but it's like you know get a lot of beekeepers get a lot of early um time also helps in that time has a whole bunch of two drops and so even if you're not getting uh the lamp the the two two uh, the double damage guys in fire you can mm-hmm. still keep up early pressure with some of the time two drops and so yeah i i do love the time two drops uh how do you feel about wormstone in this format i i feel like it should be better than emotionally it is to me like there's all these advantages in the format you're gonna trigger wormstone but like you're also gonna put an exhausted seven seven into play on turn five and Sometimes you're just dead by then. Agree. I I hate it, actually. This is like one of those uh, uh, cards. And I have a few cards like this where I just have a, s- such an emotional different reaction than the, the community on a card. And I think that causes me to like it even less than it really warrants. And Wormstone is one of those. Because I agree with your assessment where it's just like i feel like decks are so powerful in this format that getting a card i mean if you could trigger it on four consistently great but like if you play it on even if you play it on four trigger it on five and you get a seven seven blocker on six like yeah that's good but it's not like that crazy above rate and 
you don't even always get to do that. And then you just, it's just so slow. So I just, anytime I play Wormstone in my deck, I feel like I'm dead uh, before it really does anything. I do, it, it is true that sometimes I just get wrecked by my opponent's Wormstone, but also I do just blow past my opponent's Wormstones just as often. So I, I think I put this in the overrated uh, category. Yeah, have you have you gotten to blow up somebody's wormstone yet? Mm. I, I imagine that that's just absolutely crushing the uh, the fire uncommon that can play ruin. Uh, it's just so delightful. They're like, oh, nice wormstone, buddy. Yeah, no, I actually I had the chance yesterday. I had a deck with um, the inscribe rare that destroys all relics. <laughs> but I, I was like, do I just play it now just to do the six damage and kill their Wormstone? But they hadn't triggered the Wormstone for a couple turns already, so I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep playing my game and save this for the end. And then they triggered their Wormstone, and then uh, I killed them. <laughs> so it never even got the block. But you know, so yeah, um... but I was like, oh, this would be so... I, I almost did it just to destroy <laughs> just to do it. But. That that is a card I love. I love that that inscribe rare. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we can go over the time commons now that we're talking about it. You know, so number yeah. one, I think, unsurprisingly, is uh, beekeeper. Uh, number two is cautious mantis, and this might not reflect. Um, you know, this is including decks that are pre and post. Uh, balance changes and so I don't mm -hmm. we'll see if there's movement in Cautious Mantis now that it's been changed from a 4-4 to a 3-4 but right now it's number 2 uh, number 3 is Amber Acolyte number 4 is Gnarled Ant and number 5 is uh, Stone Fist Nomad with Beekeeper being uh, 139 copies so 1.14 copies per deck and so it's um, both uh the, the most numerous uh, card, which makes sense because time's the most numerous, but also has a strong count per deck, which means it's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, we would just play a three-cost 2-2 two, two flyer, and so coming with a 1-1 one, one body, it, it's amazing. Um, it, like, when I'm playing a fire deck and I play a Yeti, and then they play a Beekeeper, it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Um there's there's plenty of stuff with one with one toughness in this format and the beekeeper just eats it up and then your your two power flyer especially because you know you can play some kind of garbage tier equipment on it and suddenly that two two power flyer is very obnoxious. Yeah. Um I think I don't think that that power drop on Cautious Mantis is going to move it very far. Um the the one power is great. I kind of wish they dropped uh, uh, toughness instead. I keep using magic words, but um, I I think that if they really wanted to to hit it to hit the power level on it, dropping dropping one defense would be much better. Because um, it's just like like five cost, occasionally six defense. It's like all right, well, never attacking again. Great. Um, I'm sort of surprised Amber's Amber Accolade is so high because it feels a little slow to me, and I'm trying to only I'm trying to play one color, uh, and I'm definitely only trying to play two colors. The this format supports four or five faction decks, uh, faction not color, 
Um, I, but I don't think that they're good. Um, and so I don't know, a three cost two one that, yeah, it gets you, it gets you another sigil. And since you're playing time, you're probably want to play your five cost units, but I, I'm surprised to see it so high. Yeah, it, um, and, and I do wonder if this will be a card that goes down as people figure out the format. I know, like, for me, I had talked about this in an earlier uh, podcast where with Fiend, where I was drafting a ton of these because they were just, like, I kept opening a bunch, and I was ending up with decks with, like, three or four of them and a few Seek Powers, and it was feeling, like, a little, a little bit too much. But, you know, like... Amber Acolyte has just always been one of the top commons, and so I think it uh -huh. makes sense that people are picking it like it's a top common, even though it's not um, not as great as it used to be. But I do also think like when you're in a color combination that doesn't have Nightfall, it's sort of I that's what I almost view it as is like it's like oh. understated, but it's just like helping you hit your power drops, which is, for me, sort of important in time deck. So it's not even necessarily to help you splash. It's just to make sure you're, you're playing your cards. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that Gnarled Ant is awesome. Um, that's a card that I'm very happy to play many of. Um, yeah, it costs four, but, you know, getting back, getting back three life... It's just so important. Yes. I think this was, a, it's kind of a surprise, su surprise good card <laughs> where it doesn't like read super powerful and the three health is, is a little bit problematic. Like I feel like when I'm a fire deck, I don't totally mind. Cause it's like, it, it, I'm glad ignite, you know, like you just ignite it and then sort of move on with your life. Um, mm -hmm. Which is nice, but yes, I agree that this card it does better than you would expect it to do, or I expected it to be. Yeah, and then Stonefist Nomad—it's just—it's just a good two two drop, and uh, since in time you, it's a little more likely to me that your game is going to go long enough in time that you're going to get to eight. And it's you know your opponent is playing premium removal spells on your two drop because otherwise it's going to beat their face in, and that. I'm good with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think after that, you know, like Hive Stinger is the next card. And that's a card that I still don't know how highly I should pick it. I pick it really highly. I love Hive Stinger. And I feel like I lose to Hive Stinger a lot. Um, oh, yeah. I. If somebody attacks with Hive Stinger more than twice, the game is over. Yeah. Like. And I, I've played games where I slapped that on an evasive unit and it gained me 20 life. Like, okay, good good luck. You know, I, I kind of don't care what you do at this point. Some garbage from my side is going to wear you down before you get through all that life. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, it's hard for me to know, like, how to rate the, the commons. Like, what do I pick first? Like, with time, because, like, Beekeeper... It feels like Beekeeper is so far and above all the others that it's like an easy number one. And then for number two, like, I, I have just always had, I'm like not a huge, like, pick 
a five drop early kind of drafter. And so like, I really have trouble considering cautious mantis, like number two in my pick order for time commons. But then it's uh-huh. like, and that's why I think I end up with so many Amber Acolytes because then it's like, I kind of go beekeeper, Amber Acolyte, Hive, st- <laughs> Hive Stinger, Stonefist Nomad, Cautious Mantis, and then Gnarled Dan is kind of like how I end up picking it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that with a very high degree of confidence. Yeah, I think when I'm drafting Praxis, um, which is basically like my most recent experience, I probably pick Stone Fist Nomad first. Right. Um, because I'm just addicted to two drops. And also there's a lot of competition in the three drop slot. Yes. Um, but if I'm drafting Combray, I'm going to take Beekeeper first because there's not as much. There's not as much of a clogged situation at three. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I would never move Beekeeper down. I... I, I could imagine Stonefist moving up to two for me, just like wanting a lot of two drops in in fire. Because also, mm-hmm. I like I know you like the Yeti Cookmaster, and I definitely think it's playable. But I have had trouble <laughs> with even my prax with um with my fire decks where it's just very clogged up on three, and it's just like I. It's like, I think people are on to the fact that the uh, Twilight Lantern is pretty good. And so, like, even when I feel like I just keep getting in these spots where, like, I'll have three Ignites. So I'm like, oh, fire's totally open. And then I just, like, don't get any Twilight Lanterns. And so... I have, I have noticed that, too. I think people are picking Lantern over Ignite. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I agree. It's been a phenomenon that, that I've noticed, too. And so, like... That's what's nice about being in Praxis, because then it's like, okay, I'll just like pick a bunch of Stone Fist Nomads. Maybe I'll get the like the the time uncommon. Um, is it? I think it's uncommon. The the Charge Valor one. Oh, Swift Subverter. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Charge Valor, Silence the unit in the, in the enemy's uh, hand with Summon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sometimes your opponent plays that. And it's like, but all my cards are so beautiful and useless now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so like time can help that up. And like this is, uh, time also has another one kind of like Party Crasher where Grumbo's Platoon is, you know, like the eighth most common time card. But that's also because it's an Unleash card. And so you really got to multiply it by two. And so if you, or by three. And so if you do the multiplication on it, then Grumbo's Platoon is actually the number one most represented uh, time common. Oh yeah. Pl- Platoon is so busted, even without any of the unleash nonsense. Like it, you're just going to win a lot of games because the board is mostly stable and then you play four of them. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it does, it's really strong in, in this format too. Um, yeah. The only other card that I oh the two cards I really wanted to highlight besides for those top ones is just have you been playing a lot of tending the hive which is the... I no I mean it's broken my heart too many times I don't know what to say it's just you cast the thing I've whiffed with it and the first time I whiffed I was just like I've never played this card again yeah um I you know I see my opponents draw two cards and I'm very happy for them that that card works for them. But no, I'm not playing Teddy Knife. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird card to me. It just seems really slow, and I don't know, like late game. Uh, yeah, it's like, I, I do I really need the power? I mean, I guess all of yeah. I think all of these weird conditional time card draw spells they they print um, are just really medium to me. And this one doesn't even do the fun stuff like toss it all in your void. Um, right. Like I, I, if, if I got to get garbage back from tending the hive, you know, if it was put a bunch of cards somewhere that I could take advantage of, of them later, I might like it a little more, but it doesn't even enable anything fun. It yeah. just, it just, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the other card I wanted to mention is, or two, I, there's guys, two cards, um, is hold at bay, which is our worst performing time common um, with only a, a count of 16. And um, that's the five cost uh, bounce two cards and they cost more. That one, it's just so obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, my opponent just stopped doing things and suspiciously has, has five power up. Maybe I won't run my good units into it. Yeah, I think the best thing to say for it is that time really doesn't have much removal or removal options yeah, this true. format. But like it was a card where I was like, I am never going to play this. And then I kept seeing people play it against me. And then I'm like, maybe I'm misevaluating this. But then seeing it so low here makes me feel like I should go back to not wanting to play it. Yeah, and the first time you have to cast it on an unleash unit is uh it's a pretty dark moment in your life. Yeah. Like, Oh, great. They're going to make a bunch more Grumbos now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does make it more expensive, I think, so that helps a little bit with Unleash. But, like, with Hunt, it's just, like, feels horrible. Oh, yeah. You know, if you play it on, like, a Beetle or whatever, and all of a sudden their, <laughs> their Beetle gets yeah. to do another ultimate and be bigger. I don't know. It's, it's so bad. Um, and then an interesting card, especially for me in light of how you've been talking about... Um, the lantern's light is uh, stargazing, which is kind of like Times version of that. Which is it? It's a nightfall, and then it bounces a card uh, to the unit's hand for I think one. Um, it's one. Yeah, I I thought this card was going to be amazing. Um, so I'm like, I am just beating face all the time. This is going to remove a blocker. It's going to nightfall. It never does anything. <laughs> Oh, really? It's funny, because uh, Vincent, uh, another prolific drafter, was talking about how great it's been in his Praxis decks. And I just, I, I can't imagine if you like Lantern's Light. I feel like this has to be variance. If you, if you like Lantern's Light, Stargazing just seems like a better version of it. So. I, it you know, you're right, and maybe I should pick it more. Maybe I'm I'm biased against it, and I'll I'll take the hint. I mean, I'm going to take the hint to draft some more time decks just in general, and I'll I'll grab a stargazing here and there. Um, but it's just like you can't. Uh, I don't know. I the the cards that are conditional are really rough on me. Like I I struggle to play these things that are like put a ready enemy unit. Like okay, I can't even get my own dudes. I need I need to be beating down. It just doesn't have the versatility that I want. Which is funny. I'm talking about how good I think Lantern's Light is, but Lantern's Light at least 
you're very frequently getting a buff on your unit. Yeah, I've I am definitely drawing an advantage card if I play if I play hunt. It is so bad. I don't know though, but like if you're the aggressor, then most of your opponents' units are ready. I don't know. I I think you should reevaluate stargazing if you like lanterns. Like that's uh, all right. I'll do. I'll do it next time. I draft Praxis. I'll grab some. I'll grab some stargazings, and I'll, I'll let you know what I think. All right. So we can move on to Justice here, and um, Justice Top Commons. Uh, Bounding Courier is now number one, um, and then Warren Tactician, and then Gate Captain is number three. Kind of. <laughs> Odd. A shocker. That's the uh, four ca four cost double justice uh, three three that plays a one two um, Aegis soldier. Um, then uh, strength of many, and then Myrmidian uh, helm is uh, number five. So kind of a pretty interesting list, especially with gate captain being so high, a card that I hardly ever play. And being double right. justice and hard to cast, it's just like very shocking to me that this there's so many of these. I think this is just a condemnation of how bad justice is. That like there are two comments here that I want to play. Yeah. Um like bounding bounding courier is amazing. And I I love playing like three or four bounding couriers and no other justice cards. Um that's that's a card that gets some games over. But and, you know, Warren Technician, Tactician, three cost, you know, three one life steals, pretty okay. There's lots of equipment you can slap on it, and the, you know, the eight, the eight cost activated abilities, it's hot, right? Like that's stunning two units. You you stun your opponent's best two units so they can't attack you. Then the next turn you stun their other two units and then you kill them. Um, that's great, but Gate Captain is awful. <laughs> Yeah, it seems. I, well, that's what I don't get about this. Is like, I, I actually, again, I, maybe I'm still overvaluing, overvaluing these vers versatile weapons, but I don't mind Mermidian Helm. And then right below that is Gleaming Crawler and Mermidian Drone. Those are two cards that I'm happy to play. I don't know. Gleaming Crawlers is one of those. Crawlers. Yeah, Crawlers nice. It's you know. You're very frequently your opponent's faced with the option of like, wow, am I really just going to attack and give them a two for one? Like this, it's just a two for one, right? It trades with something, and then you've got a weapon. Yeah. Um, I I can't believe gate captain is so high. I the, the justice decks that I draft, I it's like a, a fail state if that's my four my four cost unit. Yeah, I agree, and like maybe I don't know. It's like. Then I'm like, oh, maybe they're all drafting Argent Port, but it's not even like Argent Port. It has is is that common of a color combination? Because then you're like, you're like, oh, okay, you can use the one two to to sacrifice to like a Midnight Hunter or one of the other mm -hmm. sacrifice cards, but like that doesn't seem to be what's happening. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I agree that sometimes with. When people play a gate captain, I'm like, it's kind of annoying, <laughs> annoying because like the two bodies are kind of annoying. But yeah, it's it's still blowing my mind. I I like so many cards more <laughs> more than that. Like, like yeah, I mean, block, blockade guard. I would have thought would be a better four cost unit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Uh, but so have you not been drafting much justice in general then? Um, not a ton. So I think that, you know, the, the justice decks that I like are the ones that have a bunch of bounding couriers. Yeah. Um, I will say I draft a ton of hunt stuff. And so, you know, like the uncommons mounted archer, I think is pretty serious beating and ballistic marksman. Uh, I really, really like because that that can end some games. Um, I've also gotten like a freakishly high number of rift disasters. I feel like, especially early in the format, I was getting them like like basically every other draft. Um, but you know, at that point, like all all, all factions are good if you have great rares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do think, like you were mentioning, like some of the justice and commons are pretty strong. And I don't know, like, I, I think justice isn't bad because I think Bounding Courier and Warren Tactician are, like, good enough to, like, and Gleaming Drone I don't, and <laughs> Mermidian. I like Mermidian Drone, the 3-3 three, three that loses two attack if it um if it or you attack alone. Uh, you know, like, I, a two cost 3-3 three, three yeah, is fine. I think that that drone is pretty decent. It It becomes a good roadblock against a lot of attackers, you know. It it trades with Yetis. It it blocks um, the lanterns if you know the turns that they don't have double damage. It it gets a lot of d done, and then if you know if you start attacking with three threes, it can be pretty solid. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then, uh, primal top commons. Uh, so again, like remember, primals are our rarest color pair. But uh, number one is Thundershot. Uh, number two is Cobalt Acolyte. Number three is Lethride Darkstalker. Number four is Apprentice or Lightning Strike. And number five is Apprentice Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to say here. Thundershot is fine. You do a little work and suddenly you can win the game with it. That that's That's the one thing about Thundershot. Um, when you're playing against Primal, you have to start to worry that they're going to have a couple of Thunder Shots and suddenly you just die. Yes. Um, but, you know, an Acolyte being the second most common thing here, like, Evasion is great, but just does, like, cards don't affect the board in the same way that the other commons do. Um, Darkstalker, we talked about before. Lightning Strike is, you know, it's been a standout card for 14 sets or whatever we've done now. Um, it's always fine. Um, it's not quite so obvious as, you know, Entrapment or something, or like, or um, whatever that bounce card is called from time. Um, but it's still pretty easy to play around Lightning Strike. Now, I will admit that I say it's pretty easy to play around Lightning Strike, but my method of playing around Lightning Strike is to close my eyes, plug my nose, and press the attack button. Um... And just you know, hope for the best. I should I should be better about that than I am. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> but like seriously, Apprentice Ranger is is in the top five. I don't know. Like, this is a card that recently people were arguing with me on the main Discord that it's a lot better than than I think it is. Apprentice Ranger so, is the two cost one one flyer that hunts for one. Yeah, I 
I've played a lot of this card, and it does it does a bunch of stuff very medium. And that's, you know, other cards, you know, I'm just like, looking around, like, the fifth mode, the number five Justice Common is a versatile removal spell. Number five Time Common is a great two-drop. <laughs> you know, number five Fire Common is a versatile, versatile weapon. Right, like all these things, and they're like, "Oh, well, we have a two-cost one-one flyer." Yeah, um, I I think that in in terms of commons, I think that Ominous Cocoon is better. Yeah, I Ranger. I agree. I love I love the Ominous Cocoon. I just Ominous Cocoon is one of the most disheartening things to see if you're trying to beat down and your opponent just has like a O four. Yeah, no, I I agree, and it's you know people were commenting that the the their issue with Ominous Cocoon is that it's it's telegraphed, but like who cares if your four four flying charge deal one damage with Nightfall is telegraphed? You're, that's just hard to block no matter what, even if even if telegraphed. Right. Um. I think the the tricky part with Ominous Cocoon, and I don't find it that bad, is it's like, what slot do you consider it? Do you consider it a one drop, or do you consider it a six drop? Uh, uh, for me, it's def- it's definitely a one drop for me. Yeah. Like, it's, its whole job is just, it just sits there on the board, and the, the, six, the six cost part of it, that's gravy. That's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big problem for your opponent, to the point where people have to use removal spells on a one drop. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that's my feeling about it too. You know, I think you gotta sort of decide how much you think the zero four is blocking and stuff. But for me, I do. I think, um, yeah, it's pretty good. And so, would, this is the card you would definitely you'd play multiples of. I have I have played two. I've played two. I don't know if I would play three, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just the the O four it blocks a lot of stuff. You know, it blocks many of the top commons from other colors. Yeah, other factions. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, look, it blocks Gate Captain and the idiot friend that Gate Captain <laughs> brings along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. Yeah, I I like that card better. I, yeah. They're going back to the apprentice ranger i do think it's hard for me to disentangle my feelings about it with just how it reads because you know it's just like what's printed on the card is a two cost one one flyer and you're like well i am never playing that but then if you're like okay but a two cost two two flyer you're like i would play infinite of those in my deck and then a two cost one one that like draws you a card that is flying like that seems like a pretty good card too. And so it's like both of those options, especially on two, like the two cost, if you're playing Ranger on two, it's like either mode is great. And I, it's just like, but it's it's still just hard for me to get over the, <laughs> the fact that it's a two cost one one. It's, it's printed as a two cost one one flyer. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, and then... Um, you know, there's a couple other interesting cards. It's like Winter's Grasp, I think, has performed pretty well for me, especially if you're in Felm Nightfall. But even when you're not, like if you're in 
Um, I mean, I don't know how good it is in Elysian, but if you're in Feln or you're in uh, Skycrag, I think Winter's Grasp can put in put in a lot of work. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, I I have had several decks now where I was like, oh, I I want four of these. Yeah. Um, especially because you know, honestly, they do stack really well. Yes, exactly. They stack really well. It's like you play two of these, yeah, and you're holding two units off. You know, I I like am always skeptical a little bit about these about conditional removal, like you're talking about, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh well. But it's just like you can <laughs> trigger it enough that it it there's enough nightfall in here that you're getting more than just the one or two turns out of it. So. Pretty good. Um, yeah, Lightning Strike, agree. It's It's been kind of weird for me. I, I'm, like, not all that excited to pick it, and I do pick... It's, a, I, it's hard to figure out where to pick it, because it's like, I don't want too many Lightning Strikes in my deck. And I'm really... With how good a lot of the commons are... And this might sound weird weird to say it's like oh the commons are so good i don't really want to lightning strike them but what i just mean is like i would rather just be playing my own good commons instead because my opponent's just going to follow up the good common that i killed with a yeah with another good common and lightning strike is different than like a card like ignite where you just can't use it as a a real tempo play like lightning strikes only really good when you're behind while ignite you can kind of is just way more flexible and so that's why like for removal like ignite is just way better than lightning strike where i'm just like not actually all that excited to play lightning strike this format personally i agree um i'll play them but i would rather not yeah all right and then we can go on to shadow uh shadow some pretty interesting pretty powerful uh commons um number one is obstinate rat uh that's the two cost four three uh number two (laughs) is midnight hunter number three is vain parasite number four is tenebrous bone picker uh that's the two cost uh two one that hunts nightfall and number five is extinguish i this is wild to me i am obviously i i need i need to I need to go home and think about what I've done in terms of this rat. Um, extinguish behind Midnight Hunter surprises me. Like I just love Extinguish, and Midnight Hunter costs six. No, um, I, the the Midnight Hunter is number two. It's been high the whole format, so I do kind of wonder if it was like this is still being held up by how high it was at the very beginning of the format or something. Cause for a little while mm-hmm. it was like number one and I just, I agree. It's a great card, but yeah, it's like the fact that it's the second best is like, I just can't in good conscience pick this as the second, like in my pick order, pick this as number two. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely, I number like, how I pick these cards is number one, extinguish. Then I pick obstinate rats. Then I pick vein parasite, I think, and then bone picker, but bone picker has been an overperforming card for me. Kind of like you were talking. It's just like a two drop that 
Nightfall and Hunt are both like things I want and so I'm always just like happy to play this card on two and so I should probably pick it higher than I actually do um, for how happy I am when I play it but I still just have trouble picking it because the ceiling of of Rat and Vein Parasite are just so high mm -hmm. that I end up you know Bone Picker just feels a little too mundane to pick it as early as it maybe warrants. Yeah, I like Bone Picker a lot. Uh, the Parasite, too, especially, you know, if you get a couple of Parasites in play, the game becomes a nightmare for your opponent. Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah, not to talk about Uncommons too much, but boy, if you if you play some Bone music with a couple of Parasites in play, it just created a very different game. Yes. No, I agree. And Bone music, yeah, the Uncommon is definitely... Yeah. is And is a sort of a surprise breakout for me and just how powerful it can be being fast I, and stuff. Yeah. I, I think that bone music, I I'm, I'm looking at your top five comments here. It shocks me. It's not here because in my opinion, I think bone music goes in almost any deck. Like I'm going to, I'm going to play bone music in like, I will splash for bone music. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, Right after that is Rotting Sickness, which is kind of, which is the, the two cost deal two, minus two, minus two, or minus one, minus one to two different units. Um, that I've been hearing Mix talk about. I've been playing them all right, but, you know, it's like also having your two drop be double shadow is a little tricky. So, uh, yeah, I, it turns out, it turns out the double shadow is kind of rough. Uh, it definitely is just like does not feel as good as I expected it to. Yeah. But also sometimes my opponent just kills my two drop and my three drop with it. And then I want to go home and cry. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, two other cards I just wanted to shout out are Reeking Troublemaker. That's the five cost, uh, I think six, three or five, three. And then you can six. Yeah. yeah six power. Make a, a unit unable to block while while it still exists. That's the part that I keep having trouble eternalizing is that it's just like, while this exists, that thing can't block. It's not just like mm -hmm. one turn. And so this card kind of better than I expected it to be. Obviously if it like dies to ignite, you can <laughs> really get uh, blown out. Like, you know, all of a sudden your six, three dies and the unit you thought couldn't block can block again. Um, but yeah. but it can put I, put in a lot of work. I I will offer a warning about that card, which is that uh, there are some interactions with it, or like specifically one interaction that I don't know if it's correct. So ominous cocoon. If if you have uh, made it so ominous cocoon can't block, and your opponent transforms ominous cocoon into the dusk moth, it will still have the icon that looks like it can't block but it will be able to block mm -hmm. and that was a bad moment for me and so i hope that no one else has to experience it i have reported it as a bug i don't know like some part of that is a bug it either shouldn't have the icon or it shouldn't be able to block but right now you can walk right into a bad moment yes i think my guess would be that it should be that it can't it 
it shouldn't have the icon and it should be able to block would be my intuition on, on what should happen. I do think mm -hmm. there has been some weird bugs with that, that icon because it happened to me the other day where I was playing Stone Scar and I played, uh, or no, I mean, I wasn't playing Stone Scar. I, I forget what exactly happened. I forget who, who was who in this situation, but maybe my opponent played a reeking troublemaker and then I killed it immediately. And then like the can't block icon stayed on my unit for a turn cycle, even though it theoretically should have immediately been able to, to block. Oh, oh, yikes. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't, I don't remember in that situation if it could or could not block, but it was just like, oh, this icon's still here. That's weird. I was like, I wonder if this is a bug. And then it was like a turn later, the icon went away. And then I was like, oh, okay. So, and then the, uh, the only other card I wanted to talk about is a uh, calculated sacrifice. That's the one cost sacrifice a unit to deal three damage with life steal. I don't know, mm -hmm. kind of like not a great card, but it's done some work for me, which kind of surprised me. I thought it was a card that I wouldn't really ever be happy to play. And I've been, you it know. Hit, it hits players. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, that goes a long way in a lot of these decks where sometimes, like, you just, you just, like, hold on to your calculated sacrifice. You wait for them to either play a removal spell on one of your units or to be low enough that it's going to kill your opponent. And so I think it, I think it really does pretty well. Um, I will, I will play a couple of them in most of my decks. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of where I am, too. Um, and then... Yeah, and then the only other one is... Just because you mentioned bone music, and I just... Bone music, good. Maggot swarm, bad. I I don't agree. Oh, really? You like um, maggot swarm. Wow. I, I am shocked to say this. And it is probably, it is an effect of the decks that I play where I'm usually playing about 20 units. Um, but Maggot Swarm, medium. Uh, not bad. We'll play it because sometimes you're pretty low on two drops. But I, I routinely have like a four or five power Maggot Swarm. And at that point, it becomes pretty obnoxious for your opponent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just, the idea of drawing a Maggot Swarm in my opening hand just hurts me so I know. badly. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes you play on turn two a zero power maggot swarm. And, and, and yeah, that's that's not great. But you know, if, if sometimes you play it on turn three and you get to start attacking with it immediately. And the other thing that I think people underrate is you get hunted a lot in this format. Mm -hmm. And if you're playing a bunch of units, every time your opponent hunts, Magaswarm can get a little bigger. Yeah. No, it's true. I just, yeah, it's... I, no, I, I know. Look, I'm, I'm not saying I pick it highly. I'm saying that I draft decks where I have to play it. Yeah. Sometimes. And that that is probably a sign that people shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the other interesting part is I that maybe hurts maggot swarm in my view is the fact that like shadow also has two good other two cost commons mm -hmm. so it's yeah. just like do i really need this maggot swarm is is kind of like my view but it's yeah no it's interesting that you kind of like it because it, it's is a you know you do see them late and then you're like well 
they're just so good in bone music. Maybe I should try it. And then, I don't know, I either never bring myself to do it or when I do, I've been kind of unhappy. But, I, you know, I could definitely, you know, if you're having success with it, then maybe it's, it is a card worth at least trying. I, I, I think you should try it, but really only in the decks where you're jamming a ton of units. Like, don't put it in your 17-unit deck. Put it in your 20 or 21-unit deck. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So, yeah. But also maybe don't, also maybe don't listen to me because, you know, the numbers don't lie. And I, I, I am in a, a, a dark and strange place. I have, I have wandered far from the light. No, that's a, not true. It's especially this early in the format. The numbers can definitely lie. Um, I will say, I mean, you do submit lists, <laughs> and I don't think they've included a lot of uh, included a lot of uh, maggot swarms yet. So uh, I think, yeah, maybe... so I am really struggling to hit seven wins reliably. I'm doing pretty well at the five and six, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm honestly struggling to get to seven. And I think part of that is the decks that I've been playing. I think that I'm playing five and six win decks, like. I am sacrificing the big the big wins to just like grind out five wins of garbage two drops carrying the day. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I think I should maybe try to be better than that. Um, I should perhaps start, you know, stop ignoring other colors. Um. Because I think you know it's it's to to be confronted with uh, a very different set of perspectives on the format is really great for me. Um, to sort of try to snap me out of my rut. Well, I I mean I think a five or six win rut is a pretty good place to be. You know, like we collect the seven win decks, but I don't think I don't think seven wins is necessarily what you need to shoot for. I think you know, especially with the reward changes, like consistently getting five or six is like a really great place to be. Like, I've kind of been... I don't know how true this is. But I think it's a little bit my perception, but I feel like I've been on the other end of the spectrum where I've been, like, getting, like, six or seven or, like, zero through two a uh -huh. lot, where it just feels like uh, the consistency's not there. And even when I have, like, a fine-seeming deck, it's just, like, you know, I don't know. I just get, like... I lose one game to a stupid play, and then I get power screwed one game and flooded one game and all of a sudden it's just like and then that happened early in the run so it ends up being like a two three run or something and yeah i think i i have i'm getting better at coming to peace with like i'm just gonna lose a lot of games i'm not great at i'm not great at eternal but like i like playing eternal uh i just i'm gonna have the games where i draw poorly and i have gonna have the games where i draw okay but not well enough to compensate for not playing great um right yeah. and and just like i don't know coming to terms with the fact that i'm gonna lose a lot has been really hard i'll be honest like um you know i've been playing since set one and i have made day two of exactly two opens um i am i am just not good at this game um so like that just like coming to terms with that has really helped me with drafting where like, yeah, okay. Some of these drafts are just zero wins where somebody who is better is going to get three or four. Um, and, and 
getting getting to that point has helped me just be like, all right, well, I'm just getting right back in the queue. Because honestly, if I could just pay like a hundred gems to just draft, I might do it. I, I the the drafting part that just like my my roommate and I joke about this a lot, but like there's just nothing more fun than passing cards around in a circle. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I'm not quite there on the draft thing because, like, <clears throat> I I think part of it is just, like, I still haven't drafted enough where I, like, feel confident about how a deck will do. I, I Like, I love the drafting part, but I'm always just, like, I wonder how good this deck is. So even I, like, have a lot of trouble just, like, drafting a deck and then putting it down to play the games later. I'm always, like, well, I need to let me just play one game to see how it feels. And then. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, 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 you know, I work remotely and I, I can make my own schedule as much as I want. And sometimes it's like, yeah, you know what, today I'm going to start a little later today. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and then that for me, that usually leads to a bad place. Cause then I'm like, I, then I lose the game and then I'm like, well, I need to like at least win one game with this deck before I start. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you, you are describing too many of my mornings. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, well, I think that's a great place to to end this. I think we went through all the comments. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, if you are interested, come back and maybe we can finish the uncommons in a in a follow up episode. Kind of putting you on the spot here, but yeah, I'd love to. I I, I do have like one one thing I want to say about this format for people who are listening, which is I think that all of the gimmick cards are bad and you should not play them. All of the things that like except for the hunt cards that lean into some sort of orthogonal theme, I think they're bad. Like, don't play the life gain bee-making relic. Um, don't don't get excited about the things that care about things having Aegis. Like, all of these, the, these are, like, they're fun side notes, and they're fun to think about having. I have drafted all of them. I have drafted all of them, like, as good as you can. I had three of the bee-making relic in a deck with tons of life gain, it was still bad. Um, the The format is just not forgiving of your gimmick not working. Um, you will get you will get crushed by people just playing units. So that's 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 the one thing I want to say that I have really strong feelings about the format. But yes, I definitely want to come back and talk about the uncommons and then some of the some of the larger themes for the decks for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting with the. Um... Yeah, with those sort of orthogonal themes, like especially like the Aegis one, like it just like I don't know. Well, my opponents are always just like drawing two cards with the the Fisher, the the four cost, the three cost, oh, yeah. three cost three two. Five? I don't even know what it is, but they're always drawing cards with that. But it just it's, seems so hard. Yeah, it's four cost. Yeah, um, to get to get those to work. You know, I do think like at, at the rare level, you know, like there's cards like the Anteater, the 5-4 that wants your opponent to draw two cards or whatever, like the, Oh, that card's that card's amazing. Yeah, that card's amazing. So like, you know, like there are some cards that are just so strong that they're strong enough on rate. Um, mm. you know, and you you mentioned like the um the marksman, the justice, the three cost Justice, Justice, three, two, that hunts one and then kind of cares a little bit about hunt. Um, 
you know, I, you mentioned you liking that card. I've been like a little hesitant to pick it just because it's like it feels only like slightly above the commons and power level. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, oh. well, yeah, but you're not playing five lantern lights in your deck. Yeah, no, that's probably true. But yeah, so yeah. If every one of your lantern light gains you life and occasionally makes a relic weapon better, it it starts to really add up. Yeah. No, so so I I agree. It, um, I think that that is a good a, a good point to end the format on. I, that I agree that you, this format you're going to do a lot better just playing a lot of good cards because so many of the commons are so strong and even the uncommons there's just so many generically strong uncommons that it's not a format where you really need to sort of lean into tricky things yeah right you you play you play that b relic and your opponent plays like a four four uh charge whatever the red beetle is the fire beetle like oh crap (laughs) yeah exactly um cool well yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a great time. Yeah, I, I really had a great time too. Um, so, yeah. So, thanks for coming on. Uh, quick here, I'm going to plug our Patreon, uh, which you can check out at patreon.com slash farmingeternal. Uh, Lucy Deglana recently signed up, so thank you very much for that. Um, as yeah. Well. I, I, I urge anybody who's listening to also sign up. I think it's a great resource and the eternal community is not huge, but it is pretty great. Honestly, I think partially by virtue of not being huge, there's just like a ton of great people and a ton of great content. And so this is a resource that I think you all should support. Yeah. I, and I was, I kind of joked that with, when Fiendish was on that we'd been doing this show for four years. And then I was like, that can't be right. But no, this show has been going on for four, four years now. So, um, and it's really thanks to, the, the community that it, it keeps going, um, you know, and our patrons and then just the discord community and people to talk to and, uh, the people I can chat with in game kind of keep me motivated. Even like, you know, sometimes I, I get another interest for a little, a uh, little bit and my interest wanes slightly, but this show has, <laughs> has sort of, uh, you know, kept going. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's because of, all the people out in the community. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad there are resources like this. I I will admit that I'm not super active in the community. I just like have to pay attention to Slack a lot for work, and I just can't bring myself to also pay attention to Discord. Um, but I will occasionally swing by and quietly read things, and I think that it's a really vibrant community, and this show is a big part of it. So thanks a lot for doing it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that. Um... Everyone out there, uh, you can also join our Discord. There'll be a, a link in the um, a link in the show description, as well as uh, you know we do collect these decks, which help us with the spreadsheet and stuff, and kind of is just like a fun thing to see what people are having success success with, what what uh, factions are doing well. So that can be submitted through our Discord or through the email uh, farmingeternal at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, everyone have a great week. See you in the queues. Bye. Bye, everybody.